0: Hey, this is Brent Ingersoll from King's Church. Thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. I pray that this message you're about to hear empowers you, encourages you, challenges you, and equips you to live the life that Jesus has for you. Thanks for tuning in. Well, hey, friends, and welcome to King's Church. Uh, We are so grateful that you could join us today uh, from wherever you are, whether you're in one of our in-person gatherings at one of our campuses here in Atlantic Canada Or maybe you're in your kitchen right now at home church getting brunch. Man, I know a lot of you have been taking advantage of that, right? Brunch and church, what a great combination that is. (laughs) And then those of you, maybe you're just tuning in for the very first time. You don't even know what King's Church is, but here you are. And we just say, wherever you're tuning in from today, we're grateful that you could join us. We're glad that you found us. So today, we're going to jump back into our series on the book of Revelation, Now, if you've been with us, you know that the last couple of weeks, we took a little bit of a break to go and love on our city and our region. And how many of you, wasn't Love Week awesome? Anybody? It was amazing. It was incredible. And guess what? It's not even over yet. I just found out this past week in Halifax, in our Halifax campus, one of our home churches, in fact, our youth home church, is still doing a project. They're collecting purses, and they're filling it, and they're actually giving it to organizations to help women in need. That's still going on right now. And that's my prayer. That's our hope, is that Love Week isn't just something we do in a week. It's something that we do throughout the year. So we encourage you to continue to love, continue to be radically generous. But tonight, or today, I want to look back into the book of Revelation. I want to jump back into our series. And if you've been tracking with us, we've been going chapter by chapter through this incredible book. And you'll know a few weeks ago, uh, we entered into Revelation chapter 6. Do you remember that? Do, Do you guys remember what we've even talked about? Just some interesting stuff, right? Tribulation, judgment, hell. That was fun, wasn't it? And what I wanna do for you today is I actually wanna go backwards. Just for this week, I want to actually go back, and I want to look into Revelation 5 this week, if I can. Now, some of you, I know this drives you crazy. This touches your OCD in the wrong way. You're thinking, we already conquered Revelation 5, and now you're telling me we're going back? Yes, we are, all right? Just deal with it, and don't tune out, because this is, this is something I believe about this word. I believe we need to hear this word right now. And sometimes God just changes our plans. And so we're gonna go back to Revelation chapter five uh, today. And what I want you to see today in the text is that heaven shows us something about us that we don't often see in us. Maybe we saw it at one time, but through the shuffle of 2020, we've kind of lost sight of it. Or, Or maybe it's just been put aside, or we've been distracted. But what what I hope we can do today is as we look at the text, it will open our eyes to see something about ourselves. You see, that's what Revelation does, it opens our eyes. It unveils, it's an unveiling. First and foremost, it unveils Jesus. A couple of weeks ago, as Pastor Brent shared with us, it unveiled uh, the finality and the work of God and the redemption of his creation through all of these crazy judgments and seals and all of this stuff. In a couple weeks, we're gonna see the unveiling of, of, of what goes on behind the scenes in the dark realm and the dark forces and their plan to, to kinda counter what God is wanting to do on the planet. And then weeks from now, we are gonna, we're gonna see the unveiling of God's ultimate victory. God's ultimate victory, that's incredible. But what I want us to look at at today is I want God to, I want us to see something else. I want us to look at something else. And in the grand scheme of revelation, sometimes we can miss this. It's a very small image, but I think it's really important for us at this time And in this day, because it's going to bring light ultimately on the aim of my life, your life, and every life that God has ever put on planet Earth. And that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about us. And so the title of my message today is Heaven Help Us With Us. Heaven help us with us. And the way Revelation talks about us is like the way Revelation talks about everything through symbols and images. And I wanna show you a symbol that has spoken to us in Revelation five today, that really gives perspective about our lives. And it's, it's this right here, it's a golden bowl. This is my golden bowl. Uh, for some reason, I feel like this is show and tell. And I gotta tell you a story about how my great aunt gave me this or something, but that's not the truth about this bowl. It's a dollar store bowl, right? Um, but it's a, it is a golden bowl. But before we talk about this image, before we dive a little bit into this today, I wanna to ask you this very important question. And the question is this, Do you know what you are living for? Do you know what your life is all about? Now, I know many of you are sitting there and saying, man, it seems like every message I I listen to, the pastor talks like this, but I gotta be honest, when you look around us today, there is a real, the real battle in our world right now is on identity. It's on our lives. And, And the truth is, is that we live in a world where there's never been more confusion about who we are to be. You hear voices everywhere, try this, try that, be this, be that. In fact, one of the things that is alarming right now is that we live in a world that's actually trying to buy and sell our identity. Did you know that? My wife and I, we watched this documentary on Netflix a couple of weeks ago called The Social Dilemma. If you've ever seen this, it will freak you out. You will want to throw your, your, your phone in the ocean. You'll never let your kids have a cell phone, trust me. But basically, this documentary is all about these Facebook executives, former ones, and Pinterest, and Twitter, who, who have felt this sense of moral obligation to come out and tell you what technology is doing for us and doing to us. You see, they, they started out with this plan that was supposed to be just fun for us to connect and communicate with one another. But they said that now the algorithms are just have a mind of its own. In fact, what is happening is that these algorithm rhythms are now controlling human behavior. I know this is geeky stuff, but the reality is is that it's actually trying to sell you an identity or tell you to be something, and you don't even know. Uh, one of the most uh, crazy quotes from this. Particular uh, documentary is from a guy named Rob McNamee. He's in, he is part of he used to be part of Facebook. He says this. He says the way to think about the world right now is that it's 2.5 billion Truman shows. Remember that show? You remember that show? Remember that movie? He says each person has their own reality with their own facts, and over time, you have the false sense that everyone agrees with you because everyone in your newsfeed sounds just like you. And once you're in that state, he goes on to say this. It turns out that you're easily manipulated. You see, that's how the world looks at your life. Manipulated. Buying and selling who you are. But as we look at Revelation, it unveils a a picture of us, our true self in this picture of a golden bowl. And I want to encourage you in this season, as you're fighting the the struggle, the fog of 2020, and, and you're fighting and trying to figure out your identity even right now, maybe your identity in Christ, I want to encourage you with this picture from heaven, this picture that talks about you and I. So let's look at it today. This is Revelation chapter 5, starting in verse 6. Let's read this. Let's look at this together. It says, Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. So you see this picture of this lamb taking the scroll, and it says, and, we, and, and when we, he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were, here it is, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense. There's our picture. Golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. So you see this picture, back in Revelation 5, let me just give you a quick recap. This is the throne room of God, and Jesus is the center of attention. He is the MVP, he is the king of the universe. Let me just, can I just say something to you? Someone needs to hear this. The universe doesn't revolve around you. It revolves around Jesus, all right? But you're part of it, and you're included in it. In fact, the scripture tells us we are because it gives us this picture, this small picture of the people of God, and and it says that we are like bowls of incense. We are golden bowls of incense. Now, there's something telling about this picture that really speaks and resonates with who we're supposed to be and who we're called to be. And I want to give you three quick things today in regards to this. The first thing I want to tell you is this. I want to tell you that the point of your life, the aim of your life, first and foremost, above all other things, what you're called to do is to, be, is to minister to the Lord. That's the first thing, first and foremost. The point of your life, the point of my life, the aim of our life, first and foremost, is ministry unto the Lord. Now, maybe some of you don't see yourselves like that. I know I didn't see myself like that. I remember growing up I thought the point of my life was to was to actually make a lot of money or it was to buy a big house or it was to have lots of friends or it was to have my own business. I mean that's all great and nothing is wrong with that. Hear me, that's a there's a lot of that's that's great things to go for, but look at heaven's perspective for just a moment. The point of your life is actually to minister to the Lord first. You see, when when the Bible says that we are like golden bowls of incense, do you know what incense did in the Bible? You know what the purpose of an incense was? It only had one function, to minister to the Lord. That's all it did. In fact, incense is actually found in the Old Testament. And and, and the incense in, in the temple, what you'd find is that you'd find the temple had two different altars. And one altar was on the outside in the outer gates. It was called the bronze altar. And that's where the sacrifices were made, where the animals were, where, where the blood was, was was kind of poured out and, and smoke and, and burning. And then there was another altar inside the temple next to the most holy place. And it was actually called the incense altar. And every day, day and night, the, the priest would come and he would make sure that the incense were burning. And the purpose of the incense was, was, Simply to to minister to the Lord. That was it. So, what is Revelation trying to say about you and I being golden bowls of incense? It's saying this it's saying all of your life, even the smallest of gestures, it's a ministry unto the Lord. Like when you serve people, last week when you did those little handouts of Love Week, when you serve people in the church, when it's Love Week, outside the church, whatever it is, it's ministry unto the Lord. For some of you who are involved in church, and you're a volunteer in the nursery, and you're bouncing that kid on on your knee in the middle of service so mom and dad can come to service and take in a service, that's ministry unto the Lord. When you're at your home church right now, and you're partaking in a meal, and you're cooking together, and you're being a community together, guess what? That's ministry unto the Lord. Our life is an incense offering to the Lord. Did you know that our lives are actually a prayer to the Lord? We say prayers, yes, but our whole life, all of it, is a prayer unto the Lord. That's the aim of our life. And to God, the Bible says, it is like a sweet aroma to him. Now, I know that seems elementary, but listen, church, I get it. Right now, we're in a pandemic, and the world is divided. There's pain, and it's real. And if, and if 2020 had an incense smell, it would it'd probably be garbage, right? It really would be. It doesn't feel good, and I feel it too. But right now, just... Get your mind around this picture in the center of the universe, before the Lamb, in the most holiest of places in all of creation, your life, your prayer, my prayers, our prayers, all the bits and bites and small pieces are, some, are in some grand aromatic way bringing pleasure and delight to the Lord. That is our point in life. Now think about that. That should tell you something about the purpose and meaning of your life. That should tell us something about the purpose and meaning of our church right now. Can I I just say this, church? And I'm, I'm not just saying this to you. I'm saying this to me, too. Right now, our aim as a church shouldn't be just to make it through 2020. Our aim should be simply to minister to the Lord. That's what we should do. And man, doesn't that just change how you see and live your life and go about your life? Doesn't it? Doesn't that change your perspective? And sometimes we forget this. Sometimes you get caught in the busyness of life. Sometimes you get caught in the busyness of ministry, me included. And you forget about that. I, I had one of those moments this, this past summer as we were just in the, in the beginning of the lockdown period when it was really hard here in Atlantic Canada. And church had just shut down and I didn't even know what to do with myself. And I, and I remember feeling worried about our families and especially our kids. And I'm thinking, well, what are we gonna do? Uh, we gotta get our kids' ministry stuff out to our, our families and our kids. And so this is what I started to do. I started compiling all our kids' ministry stuff together and I actually started going door to door and handing our kids' ministry stuff to all of, our, all of our parents every week. And, I would, and I, would, I would take some time and I would roll up the papers and I would put them in a plastic bag and I would put a rock in it and, I would, and I'd fill up my car and I had an address list uh, in, in my van and I was driving and I was just, as I was driving, I was like hucking kids' ministry stuff out the window for our families. But there was this one day, and I'll just be brutally honest with you, I was just outright disgusted. And I looked at God, I was praying, and I was saying, God, like, I was a pastor in 2019. Now I'm a paperboy. And just like that, you know what God said to me? God looked at, I just sensed God say to me in that moment, he caught me and he said, who are you doing this unto? You see, here's the thing I know to be true. You are offering incense. But the real question is, who are you offering incense to? See, I wonder if this, in this season, God is actually exposing something very deep in us. Maybe even a trap that we can so easily fall into. That sometimes maybe what we are doing is, is instead of offering incense to God, we, we actually get duped into off, trying to offer our incense to each other. Or how many of us that we, we you know, maybe it's not offering it to each other, but we really, we really have a lot, of, we, we really think highly of ourselves. You do something good and you're just kinda like, man, I smell good. I'm offering incense to me. And the truth of the matter is is that what God is trying to tell us in the book of Revelation, church, right now is to reset our point. The reason we are living, the reason we've always been living from the very beginning is to minister unto the Lord first. First and foremost. That's our aim. That's the point. We minister unto him. And the truth is, is that when we find ourselves not ministering unto him, one of the things I've found in my life is that this is not, this isn't just a, a, an incense issue, because I've done a lot of good things. Oftentimes what it is, is the a heart issue. It's not an incense issue, it's actually a container issue. That leads me to my second point. Our point is to minister to the Lord, but our personhood really is to mature unto Christ. We're to mature under Christ. Now let's go back to our illustration for just a moment. Back to our bowl. Notice something. Notice what color it is. What color is it? It's gold, right? Uh, how many of you love gold? Yeah, we love gold. God loves gold. Did you know that gold? Gold appears 385 times in the Bible. It does. And gold means a whole bunch of different things. It means it means uh, it, it, it often symbolizes a symbol of wealth. Or of course it does. It's you know gold is the most precious of metals or or substances. It often it often represents power or dominance. I mean we even understand this to some degree in our own life. The, 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 the old symbol of of dominance being gold. You watch the Olympics, don't you? And what does the first place person get in every event? A gold medal. Right? Gold means, I owned you. I win. Right? That's what that means. But in the book of Revelation, gold means something else. It means purity. Now, now don't miss this picture. Don't miss this picture. This is, what, this is what Revelation's trying to say about you and I. That the container of our lives, it's supposed to be gold. It's supposed to be Gold. You see, it's not just about what we offer to God. That's not what it's all about. It's also where does our offering come from? It's not just about what we offer. It's why we offer it to him in the first place. It's gold that he's after. This is what David's talking about in Psalm 24, verse 3. He says this. He says, Who may ascend, or who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a what? A, a pure heart. A pure heart. Now, what does it mean to have a pure heart? Simple definition for you is this. It means that nothing else is mixed with it. It means it's unmixed. It actually means to have a single mind or a single focus. That, that's what gold is, that, 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 that our lives are supposed to be those who have a single focus. We are, one, we are just one pure substance. That's what gold is. But the reality is, and if and if you're like me, sometimes I get caught in the trap of, of, yeah, my aim is on the Lord, but my aim so often tries to get on other things as well. Is that true of your life? Have you ever noticed how hard it is to try to stare at two different things at once? It's really impossible. It really is. Parents If you have young kids, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? You ever been in that situation where you're talking to a friend and you're trying to listen in, but just out of your peripheral, you see your two-year-old running around over here. And now you're trying to watch two at the same time. Just truth be told, 10 out of 10 times, if I'm doing this to you, I did not hear a word you just said. And I apologize. The truth is I didn't even see what my child did either. Because when you focus on two things, you can never see either of them clearly. But what is, what is the picture telling us? It's telling us that we are called to have a pure heart. We're called to have one focus. Let me ask you this question. I'm, this is a real serious question. Um, do you have a pure heart? Do you have a pure heart? Now, just before you answer that, the way you answer that is probably going to signify if you have a pure heart or not. Am I right? And my answer for this, in my own life, and I'm going to answer this for myself, I would say sometimes. Sometimes I have a pure heart. Sometimes I have a single focus. Sometimes I feel my heart is in the right place, but not all the time. In, In fact, the only person on planet Earth who had a pure heart all the time was Jesus. In fact, we see this in John chapter six, verse 38. Look what Jesus says out of his own mouth. Well, just look at, the, look at these words. He says, for I've come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. What is he saying? He's saying, I have one focus in life and I've always had one focus. That is a picture of a pure heart. Did you notice in the book of Revelation, now we're going way back in Revelation, did you notice that even the churches in Revelation didn't really have a pure heart at one time? In fact, Jesus says this to, to the church of Laodicea way back in, in Revelation 2. He says, I know your deeds and you are neither hot nor cold. You're what? You're lukewarm. What's he saying? He's saying you're a mixture. You've got, you're, you're, you're mixed. And sometimes we don't even know this until someone tells us. And let me just be real with us for just a moment today. Gold may not be where your heart is right now, but it's certainly where he wants you to be. Make no mistake, that is where God wants your heart to be. Now, what does that look like? What does it mean to have a pure heart? Here's the thing, I've known about a pure heart. What I'm learning in my own life is this, is that heart issues are really maturity issues. They really are. What's it mean to be mature, fully mature in in the scriptures? Well, maturity looks like Jesus. That's what maturity looks like. You want to have a pure heart? Look like Jesus. Your heart is like Jesus. Jesus. You see, this is what Paul is is contending for in the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 1, verse 28, as he's he's speaking to the church and he's preaching, he says, the reason I'm preaching, the reason I contend, the reason I'm in change is for this very purpose. He says, he is the one we proclaim, speaking of Jesus, he is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may be present, present everyone fully what? Mature. The word mature here means fully complete. It means pure. It means unmixed, so that we we may present everyone fully pure in Christ. That is the goal for your life and my life. Listen, this is what I believe. Our true selves, what heaven is telling us about us is that our true selves are really true when we are fully mature in Christ. You see, one of the things I believe God is doing right now in the church, in this season, is that he's working on our maturity, I, I think God is being merciful right now. I really do. I think he's merciful, and he's exposing all the immature things of our life. Is he not? Have you found that in your life? You know one of the things I think God is going after right now in this season? And, and we're going to see this later on. I mean, I'm not, I, I, I don't for, foresee the future very well. I'm not that type of person. But one of the things I sense in my spirit right now is that God is dealing with the issue of just lip service Christianity. They're just actually just speaking and say, well, I'm a Christian. No, no, no. God is actually wanting to reveal himself through our lives, through maturity in Christ. This is a season I really feel like God is revealing the saints. He really is. And, and, and this isn't the easiest thing to measure. Maturity is hard to measure. I wish it was easier. I wish I could look around and say, oh, that person's mature. Because this is actually dealing with our character. This actually deals with our integrity. This deals with our love. It deals with what we set our affections on. That is what maturity is. The new barometer for us in our life is, do I look like Jesus? That's maturity. That's maturity. And make no mistake, that's exactly what God is calling us into. But the truth is, is that as you go into that process, and you might say, Pastor said I wanna be like Jesus. Well, guess what? The process isn't that easy. Because maturity is tied to words in the scriptures like discipline, refinement, testing. And No one likes walking through it, don't they? Do they? In fact, when, when we come up against God's refinement, It's easy for us to just want to go back to to, to something comfortable, or to go back to something that's easy, or to go back to something convenient. And I wish I could tell you that 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 is a way, there's another shortcut, but there is no other way to mature in Christ. There are no shortcuts. And this is so important for us to understand in this season, because hear me on this, it's something I'm seeing right now in my life and in our world, and it's this. You see, when you're not maturing in Christ, you're still maturing, just unto something else. See, when you're not maturing in Christ, some people I, I fear are maturing in their fears right now. Or maybe you're maturing in self-sufficiency, or you're maturing in, in, in your ambition. You're still maturing, but just unto something. I think we've kind of gone away from this in the church that, that God actually calls us to grow. He calls us to maturity. He calls us forward. Listen, listen. God is okay with you having a childlike faith, He is not okay with you having a childlike maturity. The call on our life and my life, the golden bowl, is a picture of Christ like maturity, not childlike maturity. And I wonder right now, I know that there's a lot of pressure. I talk to people right now in our church and people are feeling the pressure. They're feeling the pressure not just of their family. They're feeling the pressure on on, on their finances. But a lot of people right now are feeling the pressure on their faith. And we don't know what to do. And what I want to tell you is that maybe you shouldn't fight it but lean into it. Because what God is doing right now is he's turning you into gold. You are becoming more like Christ. In fact, Peter... He, he encourages the church to actually take joy in this process, it sounds so strange, but look what he says here in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse six, he says, so be truly glad about this. There is wonderful joy ahead. Even though you must endure many trials for a little while, these trials will show that your faith is what? Genuine, that you're real, that you're pure, that you're complete, that you're mature. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies what? gold gold see right now this is the season he wants to make us into gold i truly believe that why because you know our identity our true self our personhood our essence we're really our true selves when we are maturing in christ and so we're maturing in christ yes our ministries unto the lord and my final final point today is this, our purpose. Our purpose is actually mission unto the world. Our purpose is mission unto the world. Now, there's another place that we actually see this image in the book of Revelation. I want to take you there for just a moment. I love this picture. I just want to show you this. This is actually found a few chapters later in Revelation chapter 8, starting in verse 3 and verse 5. And we get this picture, and, 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 there's, and we'll probably cover this more in detail in a few weeks, but we come into this scene in Revelation chapter 8, and there's actually silence in heaven for a half hour. It gets real detailed here. And then all of a sudden, verse 3, there's movement that begins to happen in heaven. And I want you to see what is happening in this picture with me. Can you follow with me? It says, another angel who had a golden censer, that, that, that phrase golden censer is like another bowl. Another bowl, a golden censer came and stood at the altar. Which altar? The one closest to the Holy of Holies, the incense altar. He came over to the incense altar. He was given much incense to offer with the prayers of what? God's people. Here it is again, golden bowls of incense, of God of our lives, of of prayer being offered on the golden altar in front of the throne. And the smoke of the incense, catch this, the smoke of the incense together with the prayers of God's people. Notice something here. God is actually taking more incense from somewhere else. Where is he taking it from? He's taking it from God, the presence of God. And he's combining it now with our lives, the presence of our lives. And it says, he went up before God and from the angel's hand. Then the angel took the center, filled it with fire. Now he's bringing fire onto your life and my life. And this is what he does with it. The fire from the altar, and he hurls it on the earth. What a picture this is. But I want you to catch this. He hurls it on the earth, and there came peals of thunder, rumblings and flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. What in the world is going on here? Simply, this is just a picture of God's mission and plan being executed on the earth. But I want you to notice something about this. That we're part of it you see that? We're mentioned here. It's not God just doing his own thing, but it's what we do to God, what we bring to God, what we offer to him, our prayers, all of it. (laughs) God takes it, and he brings the fire of God. It's interesting when you do a study on the fire of God, and I don't have time to get into all of it right now, but what is going on here is that fire was being brought from another altar. Remember, I told you the temple has two altars. One where fire and ashes. It's where the animal was slain. And it was, so what they would do is they would bring the ashes, and it was mixed with blood. Get that picture in your head. The fire of God mixed with blood, the place where atonement is being made, and brought over to the altar of incense, where the golden bowls are, where our lives are, offering incense and delight to God. And it says that, the, and what is going on here is the angel is doing a priestly act. He takes the fire and the blood and he, and he, and he, and he, and he places it on our lives. See, th- something crazy about incense is that incense can never be activated until fire touches it. Think about that for a moment that your life matters. And what we do matters, and I know it's hard right now. I know it's hard to be in your home and worshiping, and I know it's hard to be praying right now. I know all of that, but but hear me on this. God is collecting it, and he's taking it, and he's going to bring his fire and the atonement, the atoning blood, not of, a, not of a, a, a goat or a lamb, but the lamb. He brings it, and he brings it together, and then he hurls it on the earth. It is a picture of the fact that you and I are actually in partnership with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords of bringing forth the redemptive and the atoning work of God on planet earth right now. That's amazing to me. You see, back in, back in ancient times, incense was burned in the temples of many courts. But the reason that they were burned in other temples because the, the people thought that if, if the incense smelled good enough, that, that, then the gods would smell it and then they would find favor on us and they would just come and they would just, they, you know, they would answer us and move on our behalf. They would be persuaded by the smell, but you see in the book of Revelation, that's not what's going on. See, God isn't looking to be persuaded to move on earth right now. He's looking for partnership to move on earth right now. See, God doesn't need to be persuaded to fulfill his plan and to move right now. If anybody needs to be persuaded, we need to be persuaded for God to move right now. That's why our lives, that's why our prayers are so important. It's because he takes them and he touches them with his fire and he uses them. This is what a life of testimony is like. You ever see someone who just, they, they get touched by God and, and, and they, they, they've offered their life to God for the first time and God comes in and touches them. They're like, they like a smoldering ember. There's something on the testimony of the saints, is there not? I want to encourage you right now in the midst of this season. I know it's hard trying to find out who are you right now? Why does my life matter? Your life is being used right now for the redemptive mission of God. We're on mission still, y'all. That hasn't stopped. The methods might be changing, but the mission has not. I was so excited this past week, and I'll close with this. Past week, Pastor Adam shared with us all that another person, another person got saved at CR again. That's something we ought to celebrate. Last week in Love Week, I sat down with a man at a bus stop who recommitted his life to Jesus right then and there. And I know it's hard right now that maybe you can't get out and touch somebody physically. So what? Pray. We need to be activated in prayer. Maybe God is teaching us something about mission right now, that our mission isn't just about what we see, that we're actually called to be on a mission in the unseen right now. So I wanna activate us in life. See your life. See that you, first and foremost, you minister unto the Lord. That your essence, your your life is to be gold. That you're to mature under Christ. And of course, finally, that what you do right now truly matters in the kingdom of God. Mission onto the world. I want to pray for us. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this picture that you give us, this grand picture of the throne room of God once again. And we see the, the pizzazz and we see the, the largeness of these imageries and the, all of these different things. And then somewhere there included is this picture of God's people this golden bowl full of incense. And oh, God, I pray that in this season you would refocus us around what heaven tells us we are, not get duped into what the enemy wants to tell us or, or, or play with our identity. God, we thank you that in heaven, our identities are not bought and sold. We're not manipulated. But we're put on full display before your throne. And you take pleasure in us. But we don't just sit there idle, God, but you take us and you, and I don't know how you do it, but you, you take it and you take our lives and you touch it with fire and blood and, and then you use us in this world. And, oh God, the world needs the good news of Jesus. See, The world needs the fire of God. The world needs the incense to be spread out, not just in heaven, but around God, one that's been touched by God first. So Lord, we offer our lives once again as incense to you. We pray, take us, use us. God, that's our desire in our heart, our aim, our focus. Purify our hearts, oh God, that we would have one aim, one focus, one sight line, that our lives are lived unto you. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this call. You call us unto this. We don't see ourselves this way, but this is where you're taking us. This is your call unto us in this hour, in this time. We pray this now in Jesus' name and all of God's people say, amen.